The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we move into a Friday. We are waiting the arrival of Gary McNamara to the Red Eye Radio headquarters. Any moment now, we believe there are helicopters that have been following <laughs> McNamara in a slow in a slow chase. I didn't know you drove a white Bronco. That's weird. Is that a Buffalo Bills thing? <laughs> you know, I would have. <laughs> I can't believe I'm late for the show. Well, you went, you just you stepped out with like a minute left to go make coffee. I didn't even look at the clock. Yeah, no, and, and the funny apparently. thing is, I would have made it in like three or four seconds earlier. Yeah, but I had the coffee in my hand, and, <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm like, "This thing's gonna spill," and it's really hot. I'm like, yeah. "It's gonna spill all over my hand." That's what they. By the way, that's what they taught us when we went to core style marching band. You had to be, you know, you had to walk <laughs> even, and so the band director made us take cups of water. You couldn't filled, so you couldn't. You had to walk. And, and he said, we're not going to carry our instruments today. We carried our cup of water. You don't spill the water. So they teach you how to move like a wow. like a machine. That's how those marching bands do it. And in Del Rio, uh, Mr. Lang, our band, our high school band director, uh, he was kind of an odd guy, but, man, he knew his stuff, and, <laughs> and that's how we learned. And so now when I make coffee, you're going to see me while doing a marching band run down the hallway. That's well, I'm doing one of the, uh, what do they call it, badge showings? Yeah, right. Where you come in to work, you show your badge. I and call it leave. Lloyd Austining. <laughs> you heard the Inspector General. Yeah, he's looking uh, the into The Pentagon's going to look into yeah. it. Yeah, I, I don't know how you, I don't know yeah, how you yeah. don't. Uh, you know, uh, Kirby was being asked about it again today. I mean, th- these questions aren't going to go away. And, you know, Kirby... <laughs> A.K.A. William H. Macy. Oh, yeah, no, no, we we think it's really bad. No, no, it, it can't happen again. You know, we know that. Yeah, we know. And it's something where I'm, you know, when you look at every aspect of this, I haven't talked to my dad specifically on this. We did have a nice talk show uh, uh, last week uh, when we talked on our on my birthday. Uh, but a lot of the conversations are, are, are much shorter, but I can't wait to see him again. I've been, 
I had this upper respiratory thing, so I haven't been able to see my. I didn't see my my uh, my folks all during the holiday break or during the Christmas break. I was pretty much staying at home because I I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling well. I didn't want to take that to their doorstep. But now, I can't wait to talk to him. You know, my dad was a was a ranking NCO, so he was an E nine. He retired as an E nine, enlisted nine stripes in the Air Force, Chief Master Sergeant. And he works for a living. Yeah, exactly. That's was, 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 from, uh, from was that Black, Bob, Sheep's, Black Sheep? Was that Black, Black Sheep Squadron? Squadron? Yeah, uh, Red, Red, Red West. West. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> college boys with his cigar and the whole thing. I love that. But I always thought of that. My dad got his master's degree, but it was too late. It, he got it later and no longer, because of his age, no, no longer qualified for officer training school. Um, but he is an educated man and, 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 of course, whom well respected by his children and many people, and you know the the closest person to me with that kind of military service. And I, we talked to uh, Mary the other night. She called in. She's a retired colonel. She talked about it, and we talked about the whole thing of, you know, look, Lloyd Austin is a four star general. You don't get to that point without knowing the very basics. Even a four-star general has to tell somebody when he's there's going to be something different in his schedule. Um, that's just the way it is. I thought of some uh, truck driver friends of mine, and they haul some sensitive equipment for the government that is tracked. And all of their stops have to be planned, and if there is a change in that, I don't know if that's still the case. This was several years ago. It's been a few years since I talked to them. But if there is something that changes in their route or their schedule, then, you know, all of that has to be communicated immediately because of the sensitive nature of what they haul. All of these checks and balances are in place. I don't care where you work and what you do and what your role is. There's nothing that excuses the way that Lloyd Austin behaved. But then beyond that, I would love to say, well, Lloyd Austin owns this. But everybody in the line under him and above him owns it too. His bosses didn't know it. His deputy secretary didn't know it. How was all of this happening? And it's well, you know, it was January first. It was and, a holiday, and, and you know, a, people were sick, and it's there's no excuse. And you know, last week they were planning the uh, Houthi attacks. Yes, they were in the planning stages right. already. Exactly. These things don't happen. They right. don't. They don't happen, and you don't attack the number of sites. That just doesn't happen. Okay, let's just attack it now. Right. No, and that so, goes on so, for a long time. Exactly. So, so you you think about, and we'll get to that coming up here in a little bit. Right. But but uh, when when that happened. Yesterday, I thought, oh, my God, all that stuff was going through. And so you have to ask yeah. the question, you know, who's in charge of this? Right. Who's making who's these actually, calls? You know, is it is it somebody on the joint? Who is the and here's I get here's the question I'm asking. Who is the civilian in charge mm. here? Mm-hmm. We know the we know the military people are 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 doing it. But who is the civilian yeah, monitoring right. what's going on and saying, "Okay, yeah, we agree. Okay, yeah, right. we agree." We do live in the United States, mm-hmm. where the military is controlled by civilians, not right. the military. Right. 
And and so, you know, that would be the question that I would have on uh, on that. But I'll tell you this. Think about this. You know, it's, they White House looks at the Lloyd Austin thing. No big deal. Uh, the people in the know don't. We talked about uh, the edit, the op ed piece uh, from the the uh, the uh, former aide to uh, to Bush, mm. who was also, I think, uh, assistant deputy secretary of HHS. He just said. Because you're an aide to the president, you're you're in one of these things. You know, you're a um, yeah, you're anything close to the White House. You're anybody in the executive branch of any authority whatsoever. Right. You have no vacation days. You're right. expected to work twenty four seven. And he went through that. You know, the the people that he talked about the one aide that that actually when he was swimming had his phone. Mm-hmm. So in he, a Ziploc bag, in his Ziploc bag, and he's swimming, and he he would go down to one end, come back the other end. He finishes he, a lap. He l- checks his phone. Checks his phone and goes back. He goes, that's that's what happens. And he talked about uh, Andy Card uh, when he worked for uh, for uh, Bush, right? That yeah. he slept with the BlackBerry on his chest, right? That you, that you don't under now we understand and we promote it. You had you know the White House, ah, you know whatever, uh, you know no. No big doubt. No. January 1st is a government holiday. You know, I mean, I, I no. actually heard that yesterday. No a commentator. Way. No way. Yeah, say it. it wasn't anybody from the White House, but it was a commentator saying, yeah, well, you know, because talking about the um, chief of staff for for Lloyd Austin and how the chief of, his chief of staff had the flu and the deputy chief of staff was also out. Well, it's a holiday. A lot of people are going to be out. And it, you're never out. Yeah. It's it's like saying, listen, y'all, uh, Kim Jong-un has lobbed some things there in the air. But this being a a government holiday officially, we plan as soon as stores open tomorrow at 8 a.m. to be back on the job defending our nation. I got more public criticism for being 20 seconds late. You did. The, the email are pouring in. <laughs> Most of them are from our production staff. They're complaining that you actually made it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just see here. I got a, I got an email. I'm in uh, from Westwood One. I'm in breach of contract. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you call? I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't. I actually didn't know where you were. <laughs> and, I, I and took over some of your duties, though. And, and, yeah, you, 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 you did. It's like, Gary's not here yet. We're waiting for him. We're, he must be getting coffee. Oh, I had to make it into a bit. There was no way oh, it wasn't going to well, be a well, bit. Well, you know, the, 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 the best thing is I have no defense. <laughs> you don't. I have no defense wow. because I have publicly stated what my position was. It's... And and so if if the uh, the higher... The higher beans, or no, the, the higher ups, the higher beans. Yeah, higher beans. <laughs> I'm not of, sure it's extraterrestrials. <laughs> That's where they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're our bosses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're in breach of contract. You were 20 seconds late to the show. Exactly. And what were you doing? Getting coffee? The show starts at 12.06. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> eerily similar. <laughs> not 12.06.20. That's right. Well, I did what say... time zone are you in? Well, I guess I my streak is over. Yeah, what? I said I've never been late for a show. Yeah, well, now technically. I, now, te- now, technically, 
I was in here for a long time before the show began. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, that doesn't count, though. Because if I got up at 5 till and, and went home. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you have to be here when the microphone goes on, right? <laughs> All right. we What a show we've got uh, today. I mean, there's... I don't even know where to start, but we will. In fact, we'll we'll uh, we'll start with uh, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Here, uh, this is really incredible. Uh, Texas seizes control of a uh, uh, of a park. The Texas National uh, Guard has seized control of a park on the U.S. southern border, and is now blocking the border patrol from entering the area. Part of an effort to stop the surge of illegal immigration into Texas and a move likely to significantly increase tensions between Texas Governor Abbott and the federal government. Now, you and I both know why he's doing it. He yeah. wants to fast-track this thing to the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. because That's, it's, look, uh, and... and. That's the one challenge that that we look at right now. The court challenge that could be a huge, huge decider uh, on on this what the states can do and can't do. Uh, I think it will be. You know, uh, it depends on how fast it gets there. I don't know. I don't know if the administration wants to sue Abbott right now. Here's the thing. Oh, there's a good question. Well, they already have. But I mean, well, but, it, but well, this, but yeah. I mean, if it, it, I, I, let me rephrase, do they want this case to be as high profile now? With everything going on in Chicago, New York City, yes. and everything else, do do the Democrats want that case to be, or oh. do, does the administration want that case to be high profile? No. Because, well, it, it, here's the thing. Not, not with the impeachment, the, the impeachment inquiry or whatever you, it is for Mayorkas right now going right. on the impeachment hearings. No, well, no, they don't. Well, well, my question would be, all right, because you could make a case maybe that, Abbott and or not Abbott, um, <laughs> wrong, wrong leader. Uh, Mayor Brandon and Mayor Adams want it to be a high profile case because they want this to be about Greg Abbott. And the administration doesn't because they I don't know, I'm guessing they understand or at least some have some understanding that the American people know that the border is broken and they know it's the fault of this administration. Now, I so, you know. I think I I would if I were going to lay down a dollar on this bet I would I would say the administration doesn't want this to be a high profile case in 24 because the thing is is that imagine they were to fast track this and the hearings and and everything else all the coverage on that is going to you know taking place uh and some decision came down before November 5th I don't know if it's going to happen that Right fast. but I but I think but, even I think it'd be more important is the the pol- the politics of it because the politics of it you know, you go back to uh, 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 the Arizona case yeah. where the Supreme Court, the liberal Supreme Court at that time said, and this is where local police would stop a car and ask if you were a citizen. Right. Remember? And they said, yeah. no, you can't help out. Yeah. You can't help us do our job. Right. Uh, you know, you can't get involved in it if you're local at all. And we said, we said, well, what they're saying is if the federal government intentionally does not follow the law, and they're not following the law. Right. Intentionally does not follow the law. And they harm a state. Is there any recourse for that state? I believe there is. Can a state take into their own hands? And and so we can look at the the Supreme Court decision. But then 
just set that aside for a second and mm. look at the politics of it, of, of Greg Abbott saying, this is, this is insanity. We have a right as U.S. citizens and citizens of the state of Texas, if the federal government is going to attempt to damage our state and damage our cities and damage New York City and Chicago. He can actually bring that up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and all these sure. cities where these illegal immigrants, you know, and should be migrants because technically they're not illegal once they get the migrant status. Right, right. But, you know, the, the migrants going there, we're trying, look, we're, we're letting them go where they want because we can't handle it, but we want to stop it completely. Right. We don't want to have the problem. We don't want New York to have the problem. We don't want Chicago to have the problem. But right. the federal government is not doing it. I think that Greg Abbott will get a tremendous amount of sympathy across America for I, doing this. I, I think politically, yes. And, and I can't wait for this case, by the way, the Border Patrol Union, in support of this move by Abbott. It's the politics of the case you can't win. That's it. Because what you're saying is the federal government can hurt states, can hurt yeah. cities, can purposely, you know, harm citizens of the United States. Yep. Uh, by the way, hats off again to Bill Malusian at Fox News. Oh, yeah. And, and also uh, Breitbart, Breitbart, Texas as well. Uh, they've, they've been on the border story for a long, yep. long time. So we got a ton of stuff. We'll start with that. And, uh, man, there's just uh, the uh, the uh, U.S.-U.K. coalition striking Iran back uh, Houthi targets in uh, in Yemen. Mm. And see now all Democrats going, the Democrats are going crazy saying, you don't have the constitutional authority to do yeah, this. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe you should have thought about that and complained when the Biden administration was allowing money to go to Iran, which then fund, exactly. helped, funded the Houthis, you wouldn't be in this particular situation of being so angry if we hadn't done that. Right. And the other thing, too, is I still don't think they have a point, the Democrats on this. But it was, you know, the Houthis under the uh, uh, the uh, Trump administration were considered a terrorist group. Right. International, which right. means once you get that designa- designation, you have no problem as president attacking. I still yeah. believe the president right. can do what he did yeah. because of the attacks that happened constitutionally. But... Uh, but uh, uh and and by the way quickly we'll and we'll talk about more about this but did you see blinken in his comment the best way to isolate iran is to create a palestinian state oh is Are, did he say israel make a palestinian state he didn't say israel is oh, to oh, oh. i said is to create oh, oh no 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 but i i thought i saw the headline that said when i was just doing show prep earlier and i was just we got involved in another conversation that said Israel forming a Palestinian state. Okay, I saw one, is, one. I saw one clip. So maybe he said that somewhere along the way in another clip. But we'll get into that okay. coming up. Eight six six ninety red eye. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Starting and charging system related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Have your batteries inspected by a professional technician if you smell any unusual or strong odors coming from the battery box. A pungent odor could indicate chemicals are escaping from a damaged or overcharged battery. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. 
And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In Front Eye Radio, he's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, we were talking about so much that this break is short. <laughs> so, Listen, there's so much going on. There there, uh, there really is. I, and I just was telling you, I said, there was so much BS yesterday. I said, I wish we were just doing a podcast that we weren't on radio stations so I could say the actual <laughs> word. Because I really, we're it's being BS censored. Friday. Yeah, it's BS Friday because there was so much BS yeah. flowing around yesterday. We'll get to that and more coming up. It's going to be a great show. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios, and he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, just to get to the uh, the the story here, the Texas National Guard has seized control of a park at the U.S. southern border and is now blocking the border patrol from entering the area. Yeah, part of an effort to stop the surge of illegal immigration into Texas and a move likely to significantly increase tensions between uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. The state government has taken control of Shelby Park in the city of Eagle Pass, Texas, which has been at the center of the migrant crisis that has engulfed the U.S. border. Authorities have now set up razor wire and fences to block off the area. Uh, The Eagle Pass mayor said he was informed of the decision uh, that the decision was made as part of Gre- Governor Greg Abbott's emergency declaration. Uh, 
The mayor said report, uh, to, told reporters it was not something the city had requested. He said the understanding is that the Border Patrol was now not in the area as a result. In a statement, the Texas Military Department said it has maintained a presence in the park since 2021, uh, including with security uh, points and temporary barriers. The current posture is to prepare for future illegal immigrant surges and to restrict access to organizations that perpetuate illegal immigrant crossings in the park and greater Eagle Pass area. Who would those organizations be? Hmm. The Border Patrol. Yeah. And this is the why, only one. And this is why we said when the the uh, and this is why I want the Republicans still to be louder. You know, a lot of people in the conservative media are doing their job. The Republican Party isn't. Yeah, they're not. They're not messaging correctly. They when Kareem Jean Pierre, somebody should be there. They need you know, they need a, basically a media war room. When she yeah, comes out and yeah. says, uh, well, you know, Republicans don't want to vote. Uh, Republicans don't want to pay for more Border Patrol agents. The Republican Party could say that's absolutely false. We want more Border Patrol agents. But the administration is taking Border Patrol agents to not be Border Patrol, but be border processing to bring people in. That we will not fund. Was that that hard? I just did that ad lib. Not that hard. And Pretty have, simple. You have I don't I don't know if you get a spokesperson or you get a particular you you get a particular congressperson out there that is out there every single day attacking what they're saying in the White House concerning the border. Yeah. You know, it's um it will be interesting to see uh one thing in the official statement, the written statement by the city of Eagle Pass, they say that the city attorney is looking into it. And I, you know, when the when the mayor made the statement, I thought, all right, you're in a situation where you know, as a mayor, the mayor of all these border towns, the mayors of all these border towns know this. Your constituents want something done. You know, um, you go back to Eagle Pass and, and you go back to, remember, the National Guardsmen who drowned trying to save people who were crossing in the river there. Uh, this goes back, uh, was that 22 in, uh, in uh, spring of 22. And if you've been following Bill Malusian or, or anybody who's covering the border and the media, Eagle Pass has been the hotspot. And it just drains the border patrol of their resources, of their agents. I mean, so many of them have to be there. And and it's one great example, by the way, of the back and forth on the funding, right? You know, the administration wants the funding so they can process more people through. And Eagle Pass has been one of these hotspots where basically you're just there to help everybody in if you're a Border Patrol agent. And the state of Texas, Greg Abbott, the governor, saying, no, this ends here. And the Border Patrol Union making the point that, you know, this helps to free up the resources so that these agents, these Border Patrol agents, can work in other zones. The Border Patrol Union confirmed, because the Border Patrol 
according to Bill Malusian, his last uh, post, Mm -hmm. has no response yet. But the Border Patrol Union confirmed to Fox News that agents were being blocked from entering uh, by Texas soldiers, Mm -hmm. that's the National Guard, and praised Abbott for taking matters into his own hands. Yeah, uh, Bill Malusian posted a, a quote from the Border Patrol Union, a statement, uh, quote, Governor Abbott is not harming Border Patrol operations. He is enhancing them. His seizing control of Shelby Park allows our agents to deploy to troubled spots that experienced uh, that experienced high numbers of gotaways. Governor Abbott's actions should be seen as a force multiplier, end quote. And so... Anybody looking at this equation, you know what it, you know what the situation is. But if the orders are no, we just need you there, you know, from the administration, Biden, Mayorkas, no, you're just pro, you're you're there. You're not um, border patrol. You're border processing now. But think about this: when was the last time? I don't remember in my talk radio career. So we're going back. At, I don't remember since I've been alive. Mm. Yeah. That there's been a case where you had the federal government, excuse me, the a state government basically say the federal government is not enforcing the law. We are going to keep the federal government out of here and the and the federal agents are being blocked by state national guard. I don't remember the last time anything like this has ever happened. No. No. But I'm not surprised that it happened. Well, you know, I would love to know, love to have been a fly on the wall with Governor Abbott, you know, and the the situation that is already in play on, you know, um, defending his, his own state as he should. And then adding this to be the next step, uh, you mentioned earlier. You think this is a you know clearly a move to ramp up the and 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 bring about the challenge and bring it to a, a I get I guess a a higher discussion. You know, I to me it's always been for conservatives. I think it's always been one of the greatest concerns, and now we're at an unprecedented level of concern. With this situation. So you do something that is. Yeah, I don't remember. Any state doing this. Um, I haven't seen anyone written uh, anywhere. Any any media coverage that say it's unprecedented. But I don't remember this in my experience. And I spent years in Del Rio. Um, But we haven't been to this point. We haven't been to this critical point where it is now the Border Patrol's job, according to this administration, to process people through and give them a court date sometime after 2030 in some cases. That's not protecting the border. Well, we run out of we're not we we don't have any more detention facilities. We're not going to they just make every excuse in the book. You know, here it is. Uh, uh, separately, the Biden administration has sued Texas. This was what last week, the week yeah, before. Week before yeah. uh, sued Texas over the recently signed anti-illegal uh, immigration law that allows state and local law enforcement to arrest illegal immigrants. 
uh, which the administration says interferes with the federal government's authority and frustrates the U.S. immigration and operations proceedings and hurts relations with foreign governments. Well, what is what is the uh, operations and proceedings of the U.S. immigration policy? It's to let people in. Yeah. And then they can go anywhere. It's not like, for example, if you had if you had the federal government say, all right, we're going to fund it all that you cross the border and then you're in massive detention centers. And the federal government was doing it, then you could actually say that the federal government was enforcing laws. You know, was enforcing the the, the border law more, you know, uh, because they would have massive detention centers where they would stay. When you say you come in and then you just go wherever you want. Yeah. And you go wherever you want and you will become a burden wherever you end up. And the federal government is not going to pay for any of it. It's on the state or it's on the city. Yeah, right. I do think the federal courts, because this is, and you and I said this uh, with the Arizona case, and we said, well, I believe the Supreme Court's wrong there. What happens when the federal government, it is a a totally legit constitutional question. What happens when the federal government intentionally harms states? They're using resources to do it. They are directing their own agents to do it. In every way, they are proactive. It's not just that they're not doing their job efficiently. No, that's not the case. They are proactively spending their budget to hurt these states. Yeah, Ted Cruz said something like that, uh, I think it was yesterday, on Mayorkas. Mm. It's like, it's not that Mayorkas is bad as his job. He's not doing his job. Oh, I'm glad somebody else said that because I've been looking... You, you kind of hear he's, that in he's the a, defense, right? right? He, he's actually succeeding in his job, which he believes his job is to allow as many illegal immigrants into the United States as possible. Well, that that's it, because I can hear them, you know, people saying, uh, trying to defend the Biden administration. I don't know who that would be these days. But if you're trying to defend the Biden administration by saying, well, you know, government's not very efficient at, at anything and blah, blah, blah. And it's a huge. No, 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 no. They are proactively changing administratively changing our law on immigration. They are ex- they are expanding the law just simply by saying so. Asylum. I'm coming here because, I'm sorry, did you say asylum? Okay, go, go ahead. It's just ludicrous, and it is a concerted effort by this administration to damage these states. And many of these individuals may end up in Chicago or New York, but it doesn't change the fact that the border states suffer the most because that's the immediate impact. Uh, If I was the governor of the state of Texas, I would do the same thing because my responsibility is to protect my citizens. And the federal government is on purpose. This isn't an accident. It's not that things are out of control. This was calculated by the federal government to harm the state of Texas yep. and every other border state. Right. Yep. This was calculated. It's yep. not It's not that, well, this is just beyond our control. It's calculated. It's calculated. Because they have the resources right now to stop it. Right. And, as you mentioned, and I think it's a great point, 
and Abbott may use this, you know, in the, in the back and forth in the legal uh, setting. They're doing that. They're proactively spending money to damage these major cities like Chicago and New York. Yeah. The majority of the people yeah. being sent there are being sent there by the federal oh, government. government. That's right. Abbott's not going to other nations and putting people on buses and bringing them into this nation. That's what this administration is doing. Well, figuratively. Well, yes. <laughs> the result is the same. <laughs> you might as well be. Right, yeah. But, you know, here's the thing. You actually get it done faster by doing what you're doing now. Think about that. It would take you a lot longer to send buses into would, yeah. other countries, into Mexico or wherever, and bring them across. No, they want to be here, and they know that the border is broken. They know it's easy to get across. Eight six six ninety red eye Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store and of course the super truck showroom stocked with plenty of chrome lights and more while you're there don't forget to visit the iowa 80 trucking museum next door it's free the entire team at the iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you they look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years sending you a giant thank you from iowa 80 the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Iowa 80. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, the U.S. Uh, U, uh, Great Britain coalition strikes Iran back uh, Houthi targets in uh, Yemen. Uh, we'll get uh, to uh, that after the ship attacks on the Red Sea that basically closed the Red Sea. Yeah, and and it was just like, my God, we're funding it, and then we fight it because it's I, and, I, and I say we're funding it because somebody would say, well, we're not funding it. We just allowed them access to their no because we had stopped it. And yeah, because the right. Biden administration came in and reversed it, we're funding them. Yeah. Our decision funded them. And now, and then, because Trump did it. So, yeah, Trump right. did, so if Trump did it, it was bad. No, it was good. Right. And and we, we stopped it. Iran was not getting as much money that they would give to their proxies. And then they came in and the the Houthi terrorists were were considered 
an official terrorist group and an enemy of the United States, they dropped that. Right. And now, what was it, yesterday, the day before, you got Kirby up there, well, we're thinking of maybe reinstating that again. We're led by a nation of damn idiots. They're morons. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Soon to be in a couple of days, very, very frigid across a significant portion of America, including uh, Texas. And yesterday, I did something that I'm telling you, I'm. It, it was one of the 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 best tools that I've ever that I've ever gotten. Yeah, what's that? And and it's my basically my my uh, air compressor plunger. Okay, you know that's yeah. it's you you pump it up with a you know a bicycle pump, mm-hmm. and there's a little and you can clear toilets with it. Mm-hmm. I haven't had to use it for that. Now, when I saw it on Amazon a couple of years ago, I went, I gotta have that. Yeah, right. You mean. You don't need to use Drano or anything like that. Well, knowing that I have to, you know, probably have my faucets dripping inside. I noticed a couple of days ago that one of the, you know, one of the drains on in my in my master, uh, uh, you know, bath, and I've got two sinks. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, I can get this thing out. And man, I'm and it works. The thing is, it always works the first time every time. Right. And I put it up to like forty or fifty psi, and and I took that and I put it over the and you. I mean, I held it down with like, you know, fifty sixty pounds. I'm leaning on it. You push that trigger, it goes, boom. Yeah. Right. And turn on the faucet. It's cleared right through. Mm-hmm. Now that was an enjoyable moment of my day yesterday. Oh man, <laughs> you ever used a potato gun? No. Surprisingly, no, no, no. I only destroyed four toilets, but <laughs> it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I love yesterday. It, my, my, uh, my adult children, well, all my children are adults. I, I'm not sure technically if I can say that about my son. Sometimes he is. Um, <laughs> but I always text them. Ahead of like severe weather, changing weather, and okay, did you do this and do do this? And then they're okay. I did this, and anything else you think I should get ready for? You know the whole thing because you and I uh, doing this, we're we're you know always watching what's going on with 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 the weather. Um, and yeah, I realize that a lot of people don't. You know they they they'll certainly know it by now. But you and I have been watching this for days uh, as this thing was building. And so I'm always, you know, doing the dad thing. Hey, did you, you know, make sure you check your antifreeze in your car. Make sure you do this and, and all this and, and doing the back and forth. Um, 
set my one daughter up with some, uh, she lives about a little over an hour away from us, and I sent her some uh, power banks, uh, a, a really good power bank for her laptop and, and phone, uh, because it looks like she'll probably be working from home on Monday. And I said, okay, in case we lose power, she had mentioned she didn't have one. I said, oh, no, we got to fix that. And, you know, getting all of my stuff charged. I got everything, you know, all my power banks all so, so do I. I did the same plugged idea. in. Yep. You know, um, I do have a generator uh, if I need be, if I need to use it, if need be for, you know, larger things. But, you know, if the power goes out for, you know, an hour or two, you know, a power bank's going to keep your phone charged, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, I have, I have, uh, 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 power banks. I have like uh, three of them, and you know what I have, which which I can use for a variety of different things. It's uh, in my car right now. It's one of the lithium ion batteries. Uh, um, you know, uh, battery starters. Yeah, the jumper. Yeah, the, the jumper, yeah. and you yeah. can hook that. You can hook that up too, and that's a yeah. massive power bank. Yeah. Yeah. I have like four of them. Yeah, and and all I need is because I've you know the phones we have now, and it's funny because when I got this the the new phone. Was it the S23? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Yeah. The Android phone. Yeah. Right. When I got that, I was like, boy, the screen is large. And now it doesn't seem like it's large. I was thinking that just the other day. I have the same phone. I, I looked down at it because I saw another phone. I was like, it actually doesn't seem that large. Yeah, I know. It's just like you get used to it after a while. And I think they keep making the, <laughs> the cell phone pockets in, like, especially in cargo shorts, they keep making them every year a little bigger, a little yeah. bigger, a yeah. little bigger, right. a little bigger. I'm waiting for one. I'm waiting for a pocket the size of an iPad one yeah. of these days. Right. But, um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I've got my my two Bose surround sound speakers, Bluetooth speakers, and my my phone. And those things last like 16 hours yeah. at, yeah. at a reasonable yeah. volume. volume. And then uh, I've got all the power banks. I've got, you know, the... Uh, the uh, uh, my phone, and now with because the cell towers, even if the power goes down, the cell towers will be up. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they were up last time, and yeah. with the five G now, because we both got five G phones last year, mm-hmm. it's like well, I got all my streaming services. Right. I've got my uh, so I can be set. But the one thing that ticked me off coming into work today, and I'm in a little bit of a nasty mood. You could hear the last part of last hour when I my voice got louder. And I said, we're led by a nation of idiots. And you agreed with me because of the entire thing going on right now it's in, in Yemen. I mean, it's absolutely maddening because it's idiots and uh, out there. But it, it all, great mood, woke up like, okay, great, going to go into work and so many topics to talk about. And as I'm going through my subdivision, I see the natural gas company exactly where they were almost four years ago. Mm, staging staging well and i actually staging right there where they are there to boost the pressure yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, because there's a um mm. uh there's a uh dementia center right there yeah and so i'm like my god and i yeah. and i just thought yeah. about it, i go we sit here and we talk about all the great technology of ai and where we're going and technology is getting to be so great and automation so great that uh you know the all these incredible things and we do we live live in a fascinating society we really you know you talk to my 97 year old father that used to actually have an ice box mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know a horse and buggy brought coal to their house mm-hmm. and dropped it in their basement and you see what we have today 
And yeah, we've made great advances. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and we're going to have, I mean, I'm looking right now, three days in a row at night, 17, 17, and 10 degrees. Yeah. That's what they're expecting right now where I live. And it's not going to be as widespread as it was, you know, for uh, Frizola. Right. And right. still we're getting the warnings. I got the natural, I got the gas company warning yesterday. Yeah. You know, do this and conserve here and do this and conserve this and conserve this. And it just infuriates me. Yeah. You know, again, the idiots that are in control that this is something this this supposed problem that we have that we can't do it is created by the government, has been created by liberals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in order to destroy our energy economic and national security i mean it's just it's it is as we said before it's economic energy and national security suicide and it's what the people of the united states have voted for yeah and the fact that four years later and i know the state of texas is trying three years right yeah oh three years three years yeah Yeah, three years okay i'm i don't know why i'm Sorry, I'm getting COVID mixed with everything. That was well, it feels like an election cycle, doesn't it? Yeah, it a does. full election cycle. Yes. Yeah, and and so thank you very much for the uh, correction there. Mm. See, we have higher standards here. If we make a mistake, <laughs> that's all I'm worried about. The, all the emails I'm going to have to go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gary. Gary said uh, he said it was four years. It's only three years. Uh-huh. Um, but with the, all the, the great technology we have today, with all the great medicine that we have today, the quality of life we have today, and this situation that we have here, and it just inf- it was infuriating me as I, I had to turn, I had to just turn on the heaviest music possible on the way in just to blast it. Cause I'm like, past I, couple I, of nights, that's funny I, you I say that. I can't, I just can't think of this because it's so insane that this is, this is a problem that we solved what 70 years ago yeah having yeah. having enough consistent yeah. energy in yeah. every in every single home 70 years old yeah uh go back to you know basically post world war ii right and you get into the you know we'll, we'll, we'll put that date at 1950 everybody had natural gas or you know uh or heating oil or whatever that was all taken care of right. we weren't having you know we had major blackouts but that was because it was it wasn't weather related there was you know the the big blackout that was a problem. You know with the actual grid right. that uh, that happened, but we had the ability to supply everybody seventy years ago, and because of the idiots that we continue to put into elective office in the United States, we have people that go, "Let's destroy this nation." Anybody argue it with me, please? Any Democrat, please argue with me that that that, that this is a better way. You can't. There's no way you can. You can't. There's no way you can. It's funny. Past couple of nights, including tonight on the way in, uh, five finger death punch. <laughs> the new Judas Priest. I don't have a long commute, so I got to get it in. You know what I mean? I, I took not tonight, but last night. Uh, I I took uh, a, about a three minute longer route because I needed to get some five finger death punch in. It, it was one of those. It, it's one of those days where. It's like, when are we going to quit laying down? When are we going to quit hiring people? Because that's what they are. They're public servants. Hiring people that are doing nothing but breaking us and bringing us to our knees. Right. We're paying our taxes to destroy. Yeah. 
our quality of life. Right. Right. I mean, it's just it's uh, it's insane. Well, and I well, saw too. You know the the the. Uh, and by the way, I also want to issue a complaint on the music thing. I open. Uh, I have Amazon streaming on my on my phone, and uh, I do that and uh, via Bluetooth in my truck. I, Mr. Bezos, stop it, because uh, a couple nights ago I'm on my way in. You know I'm about to bring up some five finger death punch, and on my phone is Barry Manilow, a big picture of Barry Manilow. And it says, continue with your music interests. And I said, what? I don't listen to Barry. What's going on, Bezos? And, and Bezos, you know what this is. Because my wife wanted to hear some Michael Buble Christmas a few weeks ago when we were traveling. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want to fulfill every wish she has. And she wanted to hear that. No problem at all. That doesn't mean that that's my category. <laughs> Don't bring up a huge picture of, are you kidding me, Barry Manilow? Well, I actually have the downloaded songs downloaded songs on my phone. And for me, what I needed to hear was the Canadian band, The Headstones. With yeah. Hugh, Hugh Dillon, who's, with, yeah. who's on Yellowstone. And right. he, yeah. he produces the, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, oh, uh, the mayor of Kingston? Uh, mayor of Kingstown, King, Kingston, Kingstown, Kingstown, whatever yeah. it is that that uh, on yeah. on Paramount, right? Uh, he you know works with Taylor Sheridan, right? Oh, by the way, I'll probably be able to see Buck Taylor in the next couple of weeks because uh, oh cause the Fort Worth stock show and rodeo, yeah. yeah. It's, but uh, I so I had to listen to Long Way to Neverland, It's All Over, Leave It All Behind, and their version of the Traveling Wilburys, Tweeter and the Monkey Man, <laughs> yeah, which is just I mean, and yeah. what I what I've always liked about the 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 Headstones is the same thing I've always liked about the band Cracker. If you remember mm. the band Cracker mm. that was big in the nineties, yeah, is they were more punk punk grunge, but the philosophy of the music is not that that all society is screwed up and they're trying to survive it. It's that they're screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm right. like, okay, there's a bit of honesty there. It's right. not society that's screwed up. I'm messed up. Right. And so for me, that's all I'm like, I like that. Cause right. there's, there's a lot of honesty, you know, in that instead of we're, we're doing it, we're, you know, we're the purity and everything else in society is bad. Well, that's funny. You know, and, funny you say that. I, I saw uh, uh, Taylor Sheridan was on with uh, Rogan recently. And I think he brought him up, by the way, um, in the conversation. You Dylan? Yeah. yeah. And so I, uh, but then I was thinking yesterday, uh, you saw that uh, the the artist Jelly Roll was testifying yes. on Capitol Hill yes. uh, uh, about fentanyl. And he is somebody who's been very forward and, and honest about the addiction uh, in his life, alcoholism, and growing up in a home filled with addiction and alcoholism and everything else. And, you know, you look at the guy, you know, tattoos all over his face and the whole thing. But yesterday I thought possibly the only guy inside the Beltway, because he was on Capitol Hill testifying, possibly the only guy on Capitol Hill speaking the truth yesterday was a guy with full facial tattoos <laughs> and goes by the name Jelly Roll. He's a really sweet guy, by the way. I know. And, and, he, and he was, really is. And was just blunt with lawmakers saying, look. You know, I've witnessed a lot of things in my life growing up in a home with addiction and alcoholism. Uh, nothing comes even, nothing comes close to fentanyl and what's going on right now. 
No, and that's part of the border that's situation. I, thank you for saying that because I was right behind you on that yeah, one. It, uh, uh, China and other nations are are behind it, and we're allowing it. We're choosing this, and we can change it. We can change it quickly. Something like this can change quickly with enough pressure on this administration to lock the borders down. And if that's the one reason you want to lock them down, and it's a great reason, you should be outraged and and absolutely vocal about it at every turn. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. The IFTA tax program redistributes tax revenue to states based on your actual miles run. Thus, the truly cheapest fuel can only be found if you subtract federal and state taxes and state surcharges from the pump price to compare. The strategy means that you buy without regard for whether you are paying more at the pump in taxes. IFTA also considers state surcharges, which complicates the fuel buying strategy. Indiana, Kentucky, and Virginia have per-gallon surcharges. Connecticut, Kentucky, New Mexico, New York, and Oregon have per-mile surcharges. While some owner-operators buy only enough fuel to get through surcharge states, this practice can backfire, depending on the actual cost of the fuel in each state. When comparing fuel prices, always remember, pump pride minus taxes equals the real fuel cost. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business program. Go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are. Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. Octane action in the dust, a new film puts. Our staff of correspondents provide a fast paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Carlton. I'm Gary McNamara. And so, you know, just with everything we were we were talking about, that, um, you know, it it you do get angry because we're not at a point when I first got, for example, when I first got into talk radio in '89, mm. where you were saying, okay, these problems exist. What are we going to do? Right. You know. Right. And 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 we have talked about how. Liberalism has succeeded for such a long time, or I'm not saying the ideas succeeded because we were borrowing on our future, as we all know. Yeah, yeah. But it was always if we do this down the road, your life will be better. Right. And as we've talked about many times, if you're listening to the show, um, I, I think it's I think it's uh, something really interesting that isn't talked about enough mm. that all liberal ideas now, all the major ideas, have come up against reality. Yeah. Yeah. And reality is saying, yeah. you saw Hertz the other day. Sorry, mm. got to get rid of these electric vehicles. Yeah. No, no, right. Nobody wants them. We yeah. knew that was coming. Yep. We said that back then. Right. 
you know, we're not rocket scientists. We're not Einsteins. Right. You don't have to be to understand the basic concepts of how society runs, how engineer electrical engineering runs, right. how, you know, mechanical things run. You don't need to, you know, basic... The, you know, the average guy that uh, and gal that I worked at when I was a machinist could understand all of these things. Right. It's not hard. And we put people that have no experience at all in how to actually run or build things, and we put them into position of power right. Right. to destroy things. Right. And that's why we get upset. And that's why at times when I sit there and I'll be watching the White House press corps, and nobody sits there and goes, you people are idiots. Right. And you know that's not going to happen, but you wish it would. Well, we got a guy who was a mayor and is now in charge of the Department of Transportation. Oh, what a judge. He doesn't have a clue. How does that happen? He doesn't have a clue. The Bona Show. It's Run Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Did you see Janet Yellen yesterday? No. I think she did an interview. I think it was on, on public radio. I was going to say, was I at the wrong restaurant? <laughs> 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 I she, try not to eat where she eats. <laughs> and, uh, and, I don't want any mushrooms. And she, she <laughs> I'll pass. Well, she might have been on him yesterday. <laughs> well, the, uh, the the thing is, mm. people feel great about the situation that they're in. But the reason they feel negative is because they worry about other people. Oh, my And gosh. I'm like, and that's why we, that that was one of the reasons where I said, or you and I both said we need to call this BS Friday because there was so much BS flying around oh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and I'm just like, oh my, shut no, it's in, it's insane. Shut up. Look, <laughs> I will say this: um, if she's giving a nod to conservatives, <laughs> because we've talked about it. the reason that we're so passionate about what we believe is we worry about the future of our nation. So in that regard, right, right, yeah, we're we're not. It's not just about us. You know, uh, I'm going to be fine when Social Security goes bust, <laughs> you know. But what happens with future generations? Um, and, 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 and also teaching all of the generations behind us how to be critical thinkers so that they can build their life to guard against inflation, uh, anything and everything that they have control of. You want them to have the mindset to always be prepared and to think down the road, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to look further than the car in front of you, and to borrow from uh, the Smith system in trucking. You look further down the road so that you can anticipate, you can see what's going on. And you want young people, you want the generations behind us to do that. That's not how she meant. No, and 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 so when I heard, I'm just like, 
Wow. And the inflation report came out, you know, as we know yesterday, yeah. back up to uh, 3.4%. And everybody's trying to make excuses, yeah. you know, uh, for it. And as we've always said, remember, that 3.4% is based on what it was a year ago. Yep. And that a year ago was based on on, on the, the year before the culmination of, of the increase from the year before. Right. And so uh, it it is affecting people. But you know, when Janet Yellen said that, I'm just like, oh, my God, stop the BSing, for God's sakes. Can anybody ever be honest at any time? And then I see this in you, or YouTube, in, in uh, Yahoo Finance. Four new theories for why everybody's bummed out. I read that headline and oh my said, gosh. I really theories. don't I really don't want to read it, but I have to no, no, because yeah, yeah. I do this for a living. Right. Yeah. But I know <laughs> this is a load of BS. Yeah. It's garbage. Like. Come up with some theories, you know. It, yeah, it just can't be prices because. Um, yeah, it just it just can't be because. Well, but even when we talk very quickly, going back to Janet Yellen, mm. um, I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We're at that time of our life, you know. We're older. Mm-hmm. We've you know we've been employed for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so we've accumulated wealth. Mm-hmm. That you hope to by this particular age, but it doesn't mean that we don't feel inflation. Oh, everybody feels it. We feel inflation. So it's not that, you know, as you said, yeah, we're worried about where the country is going. So there's that concern. But we also understand that, you know, we've always been worried about the nation as a whole. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we don't feel the inflation. Everybody feels the inflation. Everybody makes choices based on prices. Give you an example. I don't go to the sporting events that I used to go to anymore. Right. Not yeah. that, and I can afford actually to do it as a single guy that's been, you know, working and and doing this. And now, what national radio? How long have we been working together? Almost nineteen years, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's, uh this this summer and, would be nineteen years. And I was in major market radio for another ten years before that. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. You, you end up doing well. The first twenty years, you don't make a dime. Right. <laughs> Which is why you. Work I remember two and, having to pay to get into the radio station <laughs> when, when you work when you work two or three jobs. Yeah. Well, you know what it, you know what it was like when I first got into radio. Mm. It's like that commercial I see all the time. Mm. Do you want to write a book? We'll publish your book. <laughs> and yeah. Have you seen that commercial? Yeah. It's on constantly. Yeah. yeah, and they finally say they finally imply that you have to pay you know, in order to get all these services. Right. Exactly. It's not like they're going. Oh, not got, a publisher coming to you going. We know you have a great idea. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's just no, like, hey, no. you know. We know you have money. Yeah, you want to pay us. You got money and you want to write a book. We'll make sure we, we're not going to guarantee anything. Right. But that, that was sort of like, the, you know, it's like, do I have to pay you to be on the radio here? Um, yeah, right. But uh, but you still, you still feel it and you make decisions on it mm-hmm. because money, the one thing, and I've said this before, I'm so happy. When I was uh, probably 18, 19, 20 years old, a lot of my peers in radio, this was in music radio, mm-hmm. you know, they had the jobs that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I went, wow, you know, will I ever get there? And I really didn't get to where I wanted to be until I was where you could actually make a decent living until I was in my early 40s. Yeah. I'm still working on it. And, and I mean that that but that and and so but they had all you know they had all now they were all out of radio cuz they were in music radio mm-hmm. or you know where what they were doing they were you know downgraded by the time they got into their 40s mm-hmm. and luckily I <laughs> thank you Sue mm-hmm. rest in peace and thank you Sue for making me do talk radio mm-hmm. 
because, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that this is where I was going to end up. But uh, I just, you know, I, I, re- I remember how they were doing so well. Yeah. And I was just like, how can I get there? How can I get there? And I ended up quitting radio because I, I sucked and didn't really know how to do it. And that's where I was, you know, did the, you know, was a machinist for, what was it, four years? Mm. And then uh, got back in and, and never got, you know, never got back out again. Uh, and and so it's been a, a wonderful career. But all my decisions, I used to go to sporting events back then. And, uh, you know, it's like they were cheaper and everything else. But now I really don't go to, I see these people, you know, buying tickets on the secondary market to an NFL game for 400, 500 bucks. Yeah. I can actually afford to do that. I would never do that. Right. Why? The value isn't there. The value isn't there for me. Right. So it really doesn't matter, you know, when they sit there and go, no, uh, people are doing great. They're not worried about their own situation. They're worried about other people's situation. That's such a line of horse manure because everybody is infected by inflation. Right. Everyone. Right. Uh, and so what was the, oh, so, yeah, so it was this article here from Yahoo. Four new theories about why everybody is uh, 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 bummed out. If you're like most Americans, you think everything is terrible. Uh, and you're forcing pollsters and economists to find new theories to explain why you're so bummed out. Am I forcing anyone? Now, you know how painful it was for me to even get to that particular sentence. It's painful listening to it. (laughs) Radios are being turned off all across America. Stay with us, folks. It's your job as an American. (laughs) Right. If I stayed with it and read it, you got to stay with me. Hang tough. Uh, be a patriot. You know, and and it's like <laughs> for much of Joe Biden's presidential term, consumer attitudes have been woeful. Inflation seemed like a good explanation. It peaked at 8.9% in June of 2022, the highest in 40 years. For a while, the cost of rent and food was rising by two or three times as much as incomes. Mm. But inflation has fallen back to normal levels. No, you're BSing. Yeah. Yeah. The inflation rate is still above where the Fed wishes to be and still is comp. Let's call it what it is. Mm. Compounded inflation rates. Yep, exactly. If we're going to talk about compounded interest, let's talk about compounded inflation rates here. Because. Inflation has fallen back to normal levels, and some things are actually getting cheaper. Job growth is still strong. The economy is growing. The stocks are up. In normal times, that would coincide with a snappy improvement in confidence and increased optimism. But that doesn't seem to be happening. And so they're they're, they're sitting there trying to pretend that this is something that we need to find the theory of why Americans are so mm. bummed. Because mm-hmm. it's not reality. It's that... Americans are somehow warped in their thinking. Yeah. No, oh, that's my, it. Oh, well, my. well, when you use words like forcing economists to to discover why they're so bummed out or, you know, this is the. This is the arrogance. And, and you want the theories? Huh? All right. Select yeah. pain points while the inflation rate is declining. The cost of food, rent, and transportation is still elevated compared to pre-COVID levels. Well, that's actually good. Affordable housing is particularly a problem. Yeah. Still, it doesn't seem to explain how widespread the malaise is. Yes, it does. Housing. (laughs) Affordable housing is a problem. 
You just said it. There's nothing more unsettling than that. Shelter and food. And then they go, Our instincts are based in those two things. And then listen to this. Millions of homeowners, for instance, were able to lock in super low mortgage rates a few years ago, which was a major money-saving uh, saver offsetting other types of inflation. If those people are enjoying the savings, it's not showing up in confidence surveys. Oh, my gosh. Why not? I know. I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's like. God. Seriously, you're drunk. I know. And then, then the next one, the other theory. Debbie Downers everywhere. Oh, come on. <laughs> Could being such a Debbie Downer just because you can't afford a place to live. Now, who who did uh, who said that a couple of years ago that that what Democrats basically said that same thing, that everything is really fine. The people just don't understand that. Was it? I could have been any, I, I, could I, have been I, any Democrat yeah. in the uh, in the administration. But some researchers think the overall tone of news people here is growing more negative causing more sour attitudes in general some some people i love that i love those ambiguous words some people believe yeah maybe it's that the media is covering exactly what's going on it goes referred pain this hypothesis comes from greg Ip of the wall street journal who mm. speculates that americans watching scourges such as mass shootings, immigration chaos, overdose deaths, and overseas wars simply feel bad about everything. Well, you got some of it. The border yeah, will get people. Right. Uh, overdose sh- deaths uh, when it comes yeah. to fentanyl is fentanyl. part of the border problem, and so that's which a is, problem. Uh, yeah. Which is uh, huge. That's a great uh, concern. You know, uh, inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the co- where we're going. I mean, where we, we you and I talk about the energy, the energy, economic, uh, and uh, national national security. security suicide that we're committing. I mean, that upsets that upsets uh, uh, you know a lot of people yeah. to fund the police, crime, the riots of twenty twenty. All those things affect people. It's not just well, just just a couple of things, and then people think everything. No, these are the things that affect people's quality of life. You idiot. Yeah, and then finally, political fatalism. And I don't have to go any further than this. Are you ready? Political uh, fatalism. Paul Krugman of the New York Times. <laughs> so it's like, all right, it's, it's, it's over. Pure, it's over because it's pure BS. Now, that's when I click onto something else. It's garbage. So, yeah. So, I mean, trying to figure out the theories. Why are Americans so sad when... Why are Americans so negative when Americans should be so positive? Yeah. What they didn't lay lay out is a list of reasons as to why Americans should be more positive. Show me those big items. Show me. Because when it comes to affordable housing, like I said, basic instinct drives you to find shelter and food. As a creature, those are the two things we have to have. The border. Well, the border is part of the whole shelter thing. This is our home. And it is an invasion. And it's an invasion that's being facilitated by the leaders of our nation, by the top person, the most powerful person in the world. That is quite unsettling. Saying I'm bummed out doesn't even get close. 
I know. I just, but but I had to read that. And, and thanks. I, for I, I love it. No, thanks I, for suffering through that. Well, yeah. Thank you, uh, all of our listeners, for yeah for doing I, that. And I had to suffer through it twice. Yeah. When I read it the first time, and then the second time. Yeah. Pour we yourself just, a cold one. You've earned it. We just we just can't figure this out. Right. Exactly. We we don't know why everybody is. Yeah, you do. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Coming, Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, he is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, uh, we will get uh, more on uh, inflation out there. Wow. So much news. The Iowa caucuses are here. It's crazy, <laughs> and the weather in Iowa this weekend is going to be insane. Yep. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He is Eric Harley. Thank you for being here. My Florida trip is off. You had to cancel. Yeah. You had to cancel with Jerry and Mary because of Jerry. Yes. The yes. Weather, the Weather when... Channel has named this winter storm Jerry. system Jerry. With a G. With a G, yeah, right. Jerry is yeah. with a J. Yeah, your your friend Jerry yes. is J. Yes, yeah. Right now, I talked about Jerry before. Mm-hmm. Not well, the storm, your friend. Right, my friend. Yes. Well, we've talked about both Jerry's, but I've talked about Jerry before. Yes. Some of my best stories are about Jerry. Mm-hmm. I met Jerry. And we were bill collectors together. Right. At uh, who was better? I don't say know. it. I don't. I don't know. Probably prob- he was initially. What did he work there before you did? About a week before, and I and I saw him. I was. You have to understand. He was. He was eighteen years old and the coolest guy out there. All he right. really was. All right. And you're I remember saying that because he listens. But yeah. uh, no, he, he <laughs> we've told the story many times. He's I mean, he's we've told it to his yeah. his daughters. You know, yeah. they're now you know, they're on their own adults and yeah. married and yeah. everything else doing great. Everybody knows. Everybody who knows us knows the story that I was about two feet tall. OK, maybe I'm exaggerating. Mm. But I when I when I went to apply uh, you know, it was my first year, first year of college, just started my first year of college, yeah. uh, or was it near the end, no, near the end of my first year of college. Hmm. And I was still probably only five, three or five, four. Mm-hmm. And when I went in, when my first day, first couple of days of work, they thought I was 
one of the sons of one of the managers who just was in high school or something, right. early high school. Yeah. They couldn't believe. I mean, that's how young I was and how nerdy I was. Right. And, you know, Jerry was like the coolest guy out there. Hmm. And and I'll never forget the, seeing him the first time. And he's talking to somebody. And back then, I mean, uh, probably you collect bill. We were we were always pretty good at collecting bills, but apparently somebody who owed him, uh, you know, was yelling at him, and he's yelling back at them. Now, he's, did you and, take money over the a form of payment over the phone back then? If they needed to pay that bill right no, away, no, no, you couldn't do it. No, they had to go to the bank. They had to make a promise and go to. The so bank. you were just asking them, and they yes. were pledging to do it. Yes, and I'm but, guessing in that case, all of them, a hundred percent, said, "Yeah, I'll do it." But not all of them, of yeah. course, followed and, and so I don't know the, what yeah. he was dealing with, but he's right. on the phone, with phone in one hand, mm-hmm. standing up, going, mm-hmm. you know, you got to do. And he's got, this is way, you can tell how long ago this was, 74, and right. a cigarette in the other hand. And he just looks <laughs> so cool. And for some reason, and we we always talk about this today, yeah. some reason, because we didn't, we you would have looked at this and goes, these guys don't, they're not in the same circle of friends. They're, they're right. just too different. Right, yeah. And he was one really that reached out and embraced me. Yeah, and we've been lifelong friends, uh, you know, since that uh, since that uh, the, that point. But he is the one, and this would have been a couple of years later, when I was a, uh, and I've told the story about working at the club. Uh, I, you know, I was going to college and everything else, and and uh, uh, was you know spinning records, actual records, mm. and uh, a, a guy I know went to college with. Worked at a disco, the yeah. Port Shark, it was called, in Cheektowaga, New York. Right. And there was like a shark tank and a small shark in there. And mm. the DJ booth was a shark's mouth, and the mouth was open, and the DJ booth was in there. Mm-hmm. So you're behind all these teeth and everything else, mm-hmm. <laughs> these fake teeth. Yeah. Well, they wanted me to, um, well, he, he wanted me to fill in. I said, I'm not going to spin disco. And I said, I don't even know how to spin disco. You know, I wouldn't even know where to start. I don't know the song. He goes, no. I'll give you a list of like, you know, for whatever it is, five hours, all the songs and rotate them and what you have to do. And he gave me like three different things and you could just repeat it every third night, whatever. Yeah. So I went in for like two weeks and did it. But I didn't dress or anything like that. I was in, I don't know, uh, uh, flannel shirt and corduroy pants. Right. I mean, I did not fit that scene at all. Right. But they loved me. And back then, it, it was a small disco. It was the same people. You hmm. know, basically the same people. You know, if you if you talked about the place could hold 200 people, hmm. probably 1,000 people went, and you would see, you know, them the same people coming back. Mm-hmm. And absolutely loved me. After two weeks, the ownership came up and said, we, management came up and said, we want you to stay. They love you. Yeah. And I forgot what they offered. It was a lot of money. It was, I, it could have been, I know it was like over a hundred bucks a night, which was big money back then. Oh yeah. And they said, except for one thing. And I, and I said, no, I can't. I said, first off, I can't do it. I said, cause I'm not going to take a job from a friend. Mm. And they said, and they said, yeah, but they really like you here and we'll pay. And they kept upping at $10, whatever. Right. They said, now the only thing is you're going to have to change your appearance. And I said, to what? And they go, well, we want you to wear leather pants, a silk shirt unbuttoned down basically to the navel, 
with a gold chain with the shark's tooth at the end. And you were in right away. You were like, oh, my gosh, yes. I was like, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I was out of there. And so I was trying to find another job, and my buddy Jerry, who has, you know, said, look, there's this rock bar. It's yeah. a real great place called the Rickenbach in East Aurora, New York. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay, great. This is this. Now we're cool. talking. And he says, now we're talking. I said, goes, what year would this have been? This would have been 76, I believe. Oh, man. In in the yeah. heat of disco. Yeah, but this was rock. I mean, this was. I know, a, I yeah, know, but, right. but it was, it was the neighbor. disco club would have been. Oh, oh, yeah. Like the place. It, oh, on, was, yeah. on the rise, let's see. Uh, Saturday Night Live was 77, I think. 76 or 77. Yeah. I think it was 77. Yeah. So Saturday Night Fever, not live. Sorry. Right. Uh, two very different productions. Saturday Night Fever, the movie, which yeah. catapulted disco uh, and the Bee Gees into every home. <laughs> and so this this is the kind of friend that Jerry is. This shows yeah. you the, why we're so tight years later. Yeah. So I you know, go in there and interview and they say, well, we want you in this Friday night, like at midnight, and you'll fill in. We want to see what you can do for an hour. Right. Playing I, rock music. Playing rock music. It yeah. was a rock bar. Yeah. You know, bikers and stuff came in. But it was a very nice place. It was very, very nice. Mm -hmm. But, by, you know, nice bikers. <laughs> nice <laughs> bikers would come in. And and so um, it gets to be, you know, 12 o'clock. And I'm like, okay. And I picked out, you know, really good. So all the, I said, what will get this, you know, it's a little. It's a suburb. It's outside Buffalo a little yeah, bit, so right. a little bit more rural. But and so I said, okay, fine. What do I start with? So I put together a playlist that would last me an hour. Right. Well, so I get up there and I can't remember what I said, but you mm -hmm. know the other DJ, you know, said, hey, and here's Gary McNamara, whatever, and yeah, everybody went crazy, and I went right. I said, thank you, whatever, thank you so much, and went right into. Songbird and, by uh, Anne Murray. No, went into the Canadian band Trooper Raise a Little Hell. Oh, there you go. Which starts oh. out Raise a Little Hell. No, there's not. There's not, a, there's not a better yeah. song. No, especially at that time, there wasn't a better no, song. There wasn't a better. For, if you're going in a bar like that, yes. Oh come on, there's not a better song. Yep, and and people and you hear it still at hockey games oh, today. Yeah, if you if you yeah. any NHL game, you'll hear it in the background. Raise yeah. a little hell. Raise oh, a little man. hell. Yeah, and you know, the NHL still plays has the it same constantly. emotion. Yes, it does. I got, I got goosebumps right now. Thinking. Yeah, well, I'm, I so did I. Because no, I, mean, like, I just that's and, one of those songs. But I remember, and the the sound booth was it was like a uh, a uh, the bar, you know, basically a U bar, and I'm back, I'm back behind the bar. I'm up about you know ten feet in the air behind the bar, and the bartenders were below me. Right. The place went crazy. I mean, they went nuts. People, I, it was like a riot, and the entire hour was like a riot. Yeah. So I'm done. You know, the other guy comes up, looks at me like, who the hell are you? What's going right. on? I walk off. The owner and the manager are there, and they said, you're the best damn DJ we've ever heard <laughs> ever in our entire lives. We have never. And I'm sitting there going, what the hell do I have here? What this, What special did I do here? So I, and, and he said, well, you're hired, and you can work these days, and you're just wonderful. We, you're just so happy to have you here. I sit there and I go back to my buddy Jerry and I said, I got it. I got it. I said, man, they really love me. They really love me. I did a great job. He goes, well, <laughs> I helped you out a little bit. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you owe me about a hundred bucks because I bought everybody in the bar like five shots <laughs> <laughs> and told them my buddy comes up at midnight. You go crazy. So, wow. so basically, 
I got the job through bribery. Yeah. <laughs> and alcohol. <laughs> bribery. Yes, I do Bribery and alcohol. Yeah. So well, and, when and, money and booze come together to make things work, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. <laughs> and and so we've been we've been friends and it's like, you know, he lives in Florida and I yeah. live here and it's like you know, we normally we get together Memorial Day, and this year yeah. it's like, ah, let's do it again. Yeah. You know, we're getting older. We right. need, you know, because we just love. We just, you know, you don't get a chance. And in your daily lives, because he's still, you know, he's like me. He's he'll he'll probably work until he can't anymore. Yeah, that's just yeah. the kind of people. I mean, maybe that. And we talk about, you know, what was it? Well, we had the same work ethic. We really, really did. Even though we were different, yeah, we had the right. same kind of work ethic, mm-hmm. and we were always goal driven. Uh, and so you just like to get together to have conversations because in your normal day, you can't. I mean, you may text, you may say something, but you don't have those conversations. And just to be able to get together and do that no, is, it's cool. is great. It's, it's, yeah. You know, I talk about my friends that I've known since grade school, a group of guys from Del Rio. Uh, we call ourselves collective, uh, collectively uh, Los Guys because we started <laughs> this. We went to a high school reunion for Del Rio. I didn't graduate down there, but uh, we went to. I went to a high school reunion down there. And then all of us guys, you know, got together and, you know, a few of us played guitar and, and other instruments and the whole thing. Um, all of us but a couple were in band uh, together, including uh, the former U.S. Border Patrol chief, uh, Raul Ortiz. He was also in the band with us, um, in high school band. And so we had that. It was like, well, why don't we get together and it's just the guys, you know, and every year we'll just kind of, and then we called it Los Guys and we, a few years ago had uh this gathering at and and one of the guys has a has a place out in the country uh not far from here and that's where we get together we can go out there we can uh on his land we can you know shoot guns we can blow things up <laughs> tannerite's a great thing use it responsibly um and it is legal yes and it's we took down a tree i think i showed you the video but mm-hmm. all these fun things that that uh that that we do. And we had a conversation one night sitting around because one of the guys passed away uh, during the COVID period, not from COVID, but um, uh, he, he passed away. And, and, you know, we were, uh, that was that first gathering since his death. And, and one of the guys said, you know, a great question. Why were any of us friends with each other? Uh, first of all, there's school, right? Uh, in a town like Del Rio, we got one high school. Um, and you know, and then grade schools kind of split up and, and there are some of us who went to certain grade schools, others went to other different grade schools in town, but you know, school's the one thing that, you know, okay, we met each other in school, but then why did we form a click right in, in that setting? Why were we friends? And, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies and he's a home builder. He goes, because because I talked about my friend, the one our friend who passed, uh, David, uh, and I were very close. We used to, you know, uh, he was an only child, so we were able to, I, we, I would love spending the night at his place on Saturday night. We could watch SNL because he had a TV in his room, which nobody had. And, you know, we and we were talking about all this, and one of the other guys brought it up and said, all right, why were we all friends? And then it came around, and it was like, you know, to that one friend, he's a home builder, highly successful. I said, you were a guy on a mission. You, you know, we had a lot of fun as kids, but you were a guy that was, there was something I could see it. Your brain was working on something and, and I could tell you were a guy that was going to, you know, succeed. And so you, you're kind of, uh, you know, as, as you, when you pick out friends and, and people, 
you know, that you associate with, that's kind of what you're attracted to. What you really gravitate towards is, all right, something I can learn from this person or, you know, something that you get from someone. Uh, sometimes it's a sense of humor or whatever, but, mm-hmm. and, 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 and common interest, but that's always been fascinating to me. Um, of how we associate with other people. And like you said, you know, you and Jerry, if you look at the two, you know, uh, standing next to each other, you you said, all right, these people don't, they're, these two don't fit in the same group. 50 years ago, yeah. 50 years ago, yeah. this May we and, met. Yeah, and that's, you know, the same yeah. thing with uh, my friends from Del Rio. It's like, you know, but there was, there was something going on generationally too. Because we always say, you know, something was going on in Del Rio. There, there was just something great at that time and we were you know all the kids that we know that were growing up there just great people um but it was you know that it was it was also something where you you say all right but it was more meaningful it was and and i do wonder sometimes generations today are they going to have are they going to have their friends that they hung out with you know when they're in their 40s are they going to Still being look with Facebook, you can do it if you're going to be on Facebook. But I mean, hanging out, visiting each other, and that kind of thing. And, and I I wonder about that. And I and I think the great thing is, is as you get older and you've had friends, because same thing with my my buddy Jeff too, because those are the two closest people to me. Jeff I've known since he was eight, and Jerry I met when we were bill collectors. But you can actually tell you're not embarrassed to tell them how much they mean to you. Oh no, you know, not at all. And, no, no, and no. how much you appreciate the no, support. I love, I love all those and, guys and, and, and everything else, and, yeah. and that's a wonderful thing because yeah. people always say that. Yeah. Well, you know, you shouldn't leave anything unsaid, and for the most part, you know, with most of my friends, yeah, and and my family, you know, we, uh, you know, they know how I feel about them, and you sit there and you go, "Well, I've done everything I can do." You know, you, you I mean, when you go through sure. life, you're like, "I've done everything that right way." You know, people know how I feel towards them. And I think when you've had that kind of a friendship for half a century yeah, and yeah. you still you still want to see them again and tell them again how much you appreciate every, you know everything that they've meant to you yeah. over the years and how they do currently right now. And you're still, it's not like we don't, it's not like review, this is the end of our lives because we're all still working and doing right. things and being productive right. and have the same mindset towards the excitement of life that we had 50 years ago it's really great well that's I, I really talk a about, wonderful thing to have but it, i can't, it really is but i decided not to go because of the the cold weather, weather coming in yeah. and everything else so yeah. we're just yeah. not used to that back you'll see and, them soon enough though and, yeah yeah i'll yeah, see them so, again yeah. but uh yeah no i mean uh, coach valdez you know in del rio great teacher and coach inspired me to go into band when i tried out for the football team but i wrote him uh it was a couple of years ago he's a judge now uh, down there in the Rio Grande area. And I wrote him, I said, you need to know. You know, you're a great influence on my life as a teacher uh, and uh, and a positive person, and, and it was great, you know. And it, it is interesting how those relationships, especially with our close mm-hmm. friends, they can they can last when, you know, they're yeah. meaningful. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Democrats getting on the case of the president for bypassing Congress uh, to strike the uh, uh, Houthi terrorist camps uh, and other armed sites in uh, Yemen. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we'll get uh, to uh, that. Fannie Willis. Yeah. You didn't hear anything from her camp yesterday after the uh, after the accusations. Nothing. This thing could just you think about that if that one blows up, because that one is the one that so many in the media, the liberal media jumped on and said, OK, they're going after Trump for the RICO Act. Right. This is the RICO Act. And we said yeah. this is ridiculous. The RICO Act was never meant uh, for this. And now everything that we brought to you yesterday uh, on that, the allegation that the one co-defendant of Trump and the lawyer found out is just we'll get we'll go through that coming up here in just a little bit. But that could blow up everything. And the that fact that she up. didn't say anything yesterday. Yep. Actually makes it worse for her. I know. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is economics. And we have debated the left for years on it. Not as mm. much anymore because, as we're finding out, uh, the, the whether it's the... Um, you know the the liberal the the Keynesian economics that they have you know promoted, or mm-hmm. you know the the fact that uh, you know cost of regulation and taxes and and things like that don't affect uh, the uh, the economy. Uh, one of the, one of the things that really isn't discussed as much as it used to be because we would have Democrats call and go, "Well, no, raising the minimum wage uh, has no effect whatsoever," and we're like, "Of course it does." Yeah, and, you know of that's just economics, and we. You know, we've talked about it for for so much. It's one of the things that we love talking about economics because it's something that isn't as hard as people think. Because right. when you ask yeah. what's economics, it's how people respond to incentive. And so when you have uh, Democrats who for years say, well, no, raising the cost. You and I remember when it was like, uh, no, uh, uh, that um, uh, raising the minimum wage or taxing companies, uh, you know, you know, taxing companies or taxing people doesn't affect the economy in a negative way. Huh. And we said, well, what are you talking about? Gasoline is your, you want the evidence that anything, any price increase affects the cost of a product. Look at gasoline. Yep. And then we got to the absurdity of during the Obama administration, and it was down in Houston where gas prices were high at that point. And that would have been the summer of 2008. Yeah, yeah, it would have been right. summer yeah. two thousand eight, yeah. or early, maybe early. Nah, it would have been the summer because that's when gas prices hit their peak. Then they actually came down in October and November. Of that Oil year. was at one hundred and forty-seven dollars right. a barrel uh, late July yeah. of that year. And Obama came out and was talking to a crowd down in Houston and said, "Are you sick of the high gas prices? Yes. Yeah. Well, if I become president, I'm going to lower the gas prices by uh, uh, putting 
uh, what was it? What did they call it again? The uh, the profit uh, the the, the, um, uh, the windfall profit windfall, tax. Yeah, the win, windfall profit tax on oil companies, so they'll yeah. pay their fair share. And everybody screamed and cheered, and we went, "What idiots!" He just asked them if gas prices were too high. They said yes by their response, and his answer to them is, "Well, I'm going to raise them even further," and everybody cheered. Yeah. And we got some pushback. Well, no. Well, what do you mean? Um, they're not going to raise it. And we said, well, now Democrats are picking and choosing. You're saying that the, you know, that these companies are greedy. But if you tax them, they're not going to try to recoup that by raising prices or doing whatever they have to do, laying off people, going to automation more, right. whatever. Right. But you're just admitting that they're greedy and then saying, but if you raise the cost of doing business, they're going to stop being greedy. You're picking and choosing. Right. We don't pick and choose because we don't get to decide economics, which is how people respond to incentive and or disincentive. It's about people worried about their own self-interest. That's simply what economics is about. And you can tailor it to anything out there. And you can see through history, it remains the same. Economics stays the same. Now, you can manipulate the economy, but you cannot change how people respond to incentive and disincentive. And I'll never forget, it was a couple years back, it was a Rochester, New York economist who came out, and he said a little bit different than we did. He simply said, look, economics is simple. Uh, It's how people respond to incentive. End of story. Anybody else who says anything different is BSing you. It was that simple. Yep. And I'll never forget that. I'm like, oh, finally, somebody... (laughs) picked up because it's not you know it's 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 not that hard and we have always said about the for example the tax system the progressive tax system that tax taxes the rich so much that eventually it's going to come back to bite liberal states for example uh and and possibly the united states depending on where our tax system Mm. goes and a couple of uh, articles out on it yesterday and again, these are things that we're saying that now liberals are saying. Uh, here it is. Adams on taxes. We're hemorrhaging working class people. And we're worried about losing the tax base of the higher income people. Uh, in a broadcast on Wednesday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams responded to a question on state tax policy by stating we're seeing a hemorrhaging of not only working-class people, but we are concerned about losing that high tax base. Oh, interesting. Because that tax base pays for our police officers, our teachers, our firefighters, keeps our streets clean. Well, when you shut down all the Trump businesses, that's going to be a problem too, right? (laughs) No, that's that's a great point, though. But when you... When you sit there and you have a a a tax, as you, for example, see for California hits it, New York hits it, where you tax the rich a lot more, you've finally gotten to the point where the rich are saying, we're going to move. Right. So you don't need half a state to move. Right. All you need to do is have a couple of thousand of those millionaires or billionaires move from your state and all of a sudden you've got to you've got to raise taxes on the average taxpayer out there right and you're getting to that point now where 
as we have seen, people are moving. And the rich can afford to move easily, and they do. You're seeing it. And then, so that's one story that came out yesterday. Then this Mm. story came out, uh, uh, the uh, editorial board of the the, uh, Wall Street Journal. Gavin Newsom objects. The California governor is sure touchy about the assembly's wealth tax. Is he worried more people will flee Mm. his state on his watch? These Mm. columns caught Gavin Newsom's attention this week. We're delighted to say that California is upset that we reported on the wealth tax proposal in the state assembly because Mr. Newsom says he doesn't support such a tax. How can't Gavin Newsom support taxing the rich more? What's wrong with him? Well, number one, he's rich. (laughs) But as a governor, he also knows the dynamic behind it. If you want to tax the rich more, they'll leave. Mr. Newsom on Wednesday presented his budget for the coming year, including ideas to close a $68 billion shortfall. Then he lashed out at us at the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) And they write, in Trumpian fashion. (laughs) He called us ideological warriors, a broken clock, and shameful. Losers. Everybody knows. (laughs) For criticizing a wealth tax bill that was getting an assembly hearing that day. The state's been paying a price for the misrepresentation and lies being advanced every single day about this state, the governor said. Misrepresentations? The wealth tax legislation is real, and the hearing took place. (laughs) Perhaps he's thinking of his own recent whopper that millionaires and billionaires in California pay lower taxes than low-income workers in Florida, or his claim that more people on net are moving to California from Florida. Maybe Mr. Newsom is so touchy because so many affluent taxpayers are leaving California, which is contributing to the state's enormous debt. The state lost $29 billion in adjusted gross income from population migration in 2021, more than triple what it did in 2019, according to the IRS. Between 2020 and 2022, the state lost nearly 40,000 residents with graduates or professional degrees on net. That's a net reduction of 40,000. What a brain drain. brain drain. They aren't leaving because of misinformation about California. They're leaving in part because they see their tax bills which they know will have to increase to pay for the state's promises to public unions and the ever-expanding welfare state. The governor forecast $38 billion deficit, some $20 billion less than the state legislature's analyst office forecast, by counting on higher tax revenues in part from the stock market. But the drought in initial public offerings, which is partly to blame for the state's revenue slump, may continue. His rosy budget scenario assumes a reversion to trend in revenue following the pandemic boom. To fill the budget hole, he wants to draw on $13.1 billion in reserves and budget gimmick, big gimmicks. One Beauty shifts $3.4 billion in general fund spending 
to special funds, which draw on other revenue, such as the state's cap-and-trade program. Huh. He also plans to delay $5.1 billion in spending for future years. He even revives the trick of deferring government paychecks from June to July so they come due the following fiscal year. Hmm. Mr. Newsom proudly said at the start of his governorship that we're getting rid of that gimmick. Will Mr. Newsom flip on the wealth tax as he did on this trick? The state cannot rely on accounting gimmicks year after year. That's why former Governor Jerry Brown campaigned for a ballot measure in 2012 that raised the top income tax rate to 13.3% from 10.3%. That tax rate was peddled as temporary, but was extended in 2016. Even as revenue surged, Mr. Newsom backed the extension. This year, California's top marginal tax rates on wages will increase to 14.4%, owing to a 2022 law signed by Mr. Newsom that removed uh, a the wage limit. Uh, that means the 9.3 marginal tax rate for middle-class California citizens will increase by 1.1% to 10.4% more than millionaires pay in almost every state. Wow, that's interesting. Mm. That for middle-class California citizens, your tax rate will be 10.4% more than millionaires pay in almost every state wow. of the union. Wow. Wow. By the way, Mr. Newsom's successor may also be less opposed to the wealth tax. Attorney General Rob Bonta, who has his eye on the governorship, championed the wealth tax when he was in the legislature. He also signed uh, uh, California onto a friend of the court brief, arguing that the U.S. Supreme Court should affirm the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decision that a tax on undistributed income is constitutional. Hmm. Congress may uh, uh, must retain flexibility to disincentivize uh, non-economic tax avoidance, a brief says, non-economic tax avoidance. You haven't... You, oh, my God, they use every type no, of stupid well, well they, phrase but, or word. But, honestly, why are you... Because they have to soften it. You know, that's... It's just... The way that things are written and phrased today... Drives me bonkers. Just drives me. Call it what it is. Well, I mean, he's just fear because he knows. It's just like, you know, Adams knows. Newsom knows. Did yeah. I call Adams a governor? If I call him the governor of New York, I meant yeah. the mayor. Mm. Yeah. I'm just, I want to make sure. I, I mean, I know he's the mayor, but I, yeah. just, did I just, you know, have a uh, mind blank there and call both of them governors? Mm. But, uh, you know, so Newsom furious to the Wall Street Journal for talking about the wealth tax, because he's saying, well, I'm not going to pass the wealth tax. He's paranoid that it's being promoted and more millionaires and billionaires will leave. And you right. know this is the wealth tax they're talking about, Democrats, that would, even if you moved out, mm -hmm. it would still figure out what your overall world wealth is, mm -hmm. not just mm -hmm. in California. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, you want to drive people out. Yeah. They're going to go. They'll be and, gone. And Newsom knows it. Well, he's watching it happen already. Yeah. You want to ramp up the big exit? The entire state will be a state park. So the left can talk, you know, their delusional uh, 
uh, I, I, well, they're delusions on economics, but yeah. you're seeing the reality now. Well, that's in the, in the population shifts and the problems that they're having with their budgets now. Yeah. Well, it's reality. Yep. You know, tax the rich. Well, hold on. Let's talk about taxing the middle class. Which they're doing very successfully in California exactly, with that rate. Exactly. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara on everything, whether it's the border, whether it's to fund the police, whether it's, you know, economics and taxes and everything else. Everything is hitting reality now. And that's the hope that we have. I mean, it's unfortunate that we had to wait that America was not smart enough. And and people believed liberalism that sold you a bill of crap over and over again. Right. And now reality is hitting. And even uh, some of the most liberal mayors... And governors in the United States understand that. Yep. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Just reading this article in Politico, Eric. Yeah? Uh... Uh, by uh, Rich Lowry. Ron DeSantis will have to drop out unless he stuns in Iowa. Uh, uh, He doesn't have to drop out, but I mean, uh, again, the aesthetics of being a sitting governor and then on March 5th, Super Tuesday, uh, you know, Florida voting in the primary for Trump and not you is not a good look. Says DeSantis has to hope that some combination of weather-induced low turnout and overperforming ground operation and massive polling error lead uh, uh, him or, uh, uh, you know, uh, lead. Where is it going to get better for him? Where else is he going to get the endorsement of a sitting governor and the and one of the biggest social conservative leaders as he has in Iowa? Where else will he have the time to camp out almost full-time, and the organization wherewithal to replicate his Iowa ground game. The nomination Mm. process is path-dependent. Past outcomes affect future outcomes. If DeSantis gets zero momentum out of Iowa, he's not going to do any better than the roughly 6% he currently has in New Hampshire, which would be good for fourth or fifth place. And that would be no help going into crucial South Carolina where he sits at a distant third with about 11%. So, yeah, this could be his Waterloo. One school of thought is that 
DeSantis has overinvested in Iowa. There is no doubt that he is following in the well-established tradition of Iowa-oriented candidates who get zero traction in New Hampshire and fall short of the GOP nomination. Then they go through the history. Ted Cruz, a winner of Iowa in 2016, finished in third in New Hampshire with 12%. Uh, Rick Santorum, who took the caucuses in 2012, finished tied for fourth with 9% in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Mike Huckabee followed his Iowa win with 11% in New Hampshire. Good for the bronze. None of them won South Carolina either. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, it would have been better if DeSantis were equally strong in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, but it has been a steady slide for him in New Hampshire, where his emphasis on culture war and Southern flavor haven't won him any friends. And in South Carolina, where he was up against uh, two home state politicians in Tim Scott and Nikki Haley until late last year when Scott uh, uh, dropped out. Look, we you know we talked about this yesterday. You know, I, we were talking well, not specifically this, but we were just talking about the fact of when you see in the Republican Party right now what I perceive as as the passion for different candidates. Mm-hmm. And you looked at all the candidates out there. There, were, of course, there's passion for Trump. That's a given. Uh, there is passion for DeSantis. Yeah, you know there there and there has been passion for DeSantis. The problem with DeSantis is a lot of the passion for DeSantis. You know, it's like when Trump, we said this yesterday, when Trump, every time Trump tries to seriously criticize DeSantis, it really doesn't work. Because no. most people who are going to vote for Donald Trump like Ron DeSantis. And yeah. that's the right. problem. Right. Because DeSantis to them would be a totally tolerable choice, completely uh, a, a, a great choice for most Trump supporters if Trump wasn't going to run. Uh, you look at Nikki Haley, or well, we, when, we, when we talk about Nikki Haley, there's no passion. That's almost like that's being driven by independence. Chris Christie was the never Trumper in mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. and Ramaswamy. You know, a small number of people like him, not because he has experience, but because uh, he has made some great arguments mm-hmm. and really communicated the way that a lot of Republicans, you know want the Republican Party to communicate and actually debate. But he has no chance of winning. And so when you look at it, the problem is, for DeSantis, is DeSantis is much like, I I believe that the problem for DeSantis has always been, the people that really would support him in the Republican Party are going with Trump first. Well, this is the thing, too, is that we've mentioned this before, but... This Trump is not this is not a momentum gain gain that he has. It's, this is no, a right. where he is is where he left off last time. Yeah, that's a great. That's that's believe it or not. That's one of the most solid political points. So an analysis of what's going on here. Well, in that in that very short sentence you had, I, I think it's important because you and I, when we look at the polls, it's like, OK, we we can talk about. Whether the polls are accurate, we, you and I look for movement within the polls. So mm-hmm. when you talk about momentum of the leader, the leading candidate in the primary, that is Donald Trump. This is not a momentum situation. It's where he was, where his base is, and it's not budging. There, are, There's movement in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley gaining and... and and Trump dropping a little bit. 
I don't see Nikki Haley. Uh, New Hampshire's week from Tuesday. I don't see her coming from behind in that short period and winning New Hampshire. I could be wrong. But what I really don't see is Donald Trump losing what he has. Trump's base is rock solid, and you're not going to move. So if you're not going to move it and you're DeSantis, again, it's not, I'm with you. On the issues, DeSantis checks all of those boxes. That's great. But it's not his time because Trump's already there. And that's just the way it is. You can say, well, I, I, I just the way it is. The numbers aren't moving. They're certainly not moving for DeSantis. If DeSantis were getting, because there is momentum with Nikki Haley, it's all about the independents. If DeSantis were getting that kind of momentum of, of you know, with New Hampshire, all right, I could see him staying in through New Hampshire. It's Again, we're talking about inside of two weeks here now. It's a week from Tuesday is New Hampshire. So then you look at you look at that at the 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 real lack of movement with Donald Trump and it is not New Hampshire aside there's nothing that's going to change the big picture here without Donald Trump, you know, and, and God forbid an illness or something like that or him just stepping out saying he doesn't want to do it anymore. But that's you know, those are likely not to happen. So you have to ask yourself, because at a campaign stop in Iowa, uh, this is just the other day, DeSantis is there, and one of his um, uh, a, a, a key campaign people there in, in that state, uh, you know, said something. He was on stage, you know, small room, and uh, as the campaign stops are, often are, and, and they said something to the uh, effect of, well, you need to stay in because uh, the number one guy may be in jail. And, you know, DeSantis kind of affirmed that. And, you know, and, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, was the thought there. But then you have to look at reality. I don't expect Donald Trump to be in jail on November 5th. No, no. I and don't. and if anything, those cases are get, are, are helping or giving him momentum that yeah. might not be there without the cases. Now, Fanny Willis might be in jail by then. She might be. <laughs> and her boyfriend. Um, and <laughs> and but, so, but, 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 so, so you have, if you're in the DeSantis camp, if, you, if you're his campaign manager, or if you're Ron DeSantis himself, you have to be asking yourself that question. How long do you really want to stay in? And is your only hope Trump could be out for some reason that's beyond the the uh, political support that he has right now, and I I, okay. I I just don't I don't see why you would stay in after First, after losing Iowa, especially after New yeah. Hampshire, if you don't win that, which he's not going to. Now I've no way of of uh, of proving this, hmm. um, because you can't prove what doesn't happen, right? What yeah. isn't happening, right? But. If Trump was out, I believe that DeSantis would have unbelievable numbers right now. 
I I think I think so. Uh, I think the problem for DeSantis is the fact, as I just said before, that most Trump supporters, and I believe the vast majority of Trump supporters would have no problem voting for DeSantis like this. Yeah. When Trump came out, remember when Trump came out and said something at his rally and he was booed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when after DeSantis was like, no, yeah, not right. the same. Right. Uh, Nikki Haley, it's more moderate, independent yeah, Republicans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ramaswamy, again, the, I think, young ideological Republican. Yeah. But they're looking up when well, he's got no experience. Christie is the never Trumper. And I think that breaks it down easily. And I think that that if Trump wasn't running, I think DeSantis would be in the lead. I would have, if I would have, if I was DeSantis, and again, you know, you look and you say, there's a lot of things that have developed in the last, with Trump being able to extend all of the, it looks like he's going to extend everything. And with the Fannie Willis thing just coming out, that, you know, you're right, he may not even be, prosecuted by that time right. or the trials may not have taken place right if i was DeSantis and knew that two months ago i would have pulled out two months ago i would have said you know something this isn't my time right now yeah. we're going to focus right. on florida without ever do-. but for DeSantis to stay in mm-hmm. and get a there's no reason for DeSantis to stay in and get us a, uh, a a number of losses in a primary when it's not necessary for him to do so because i believe you know trump trump uh, runs, wins or loses in November, 2028's coming. Don't tell me that DeSantis isn't the top Republican candidate. Oh, yeah, I think so. He would still be the top. I think so. He would still be the top candidate. Look, uh, Trump supporters are extremely loyal to Trump. They feel he was screwed over. Mm-hmm. But they look at DeSantis and go, what a great job he did, but we still want to vote for Trump now. But if Trump yeah. wasn't in... It would be DeSantis in 2028. Mm-hmm. It'd still be DeSantis's track record because what DeSantis did, DeSantis is the one person. Now, it's a state, not a not a federal government, but right. he did things that inside the Republican Party they love. He got Democrats to vote for him. Yep. He got independents to yep. vote for, yep. uh, for him. And after the first term where he just barely squeaked by, he dominated the second election. Right. The second election that he won. Yeah. The problem is many people view him as having much of the same uh, much of the same opinions on the issues where Republicans believe that they would both be successful and take the Republican Party down the same path. Yeah, sure. And yeah. I do think that Nikki Haley that uh, again, you know, look comes to uh dis, you know DeSantis and I still believe that DeSantis is the most electable Republican right now mm. if he if he was there on paper uh, yeah on you know on uh on on paper and the fact that as you get closer to the uh the election Trump has extreme negatives that are still there mm-hmm. he's got extreme, you're talking about you again you're talking about in the general the general election, in the general yeah. the general election mm-hmm. yeah I still believe that DeSantis is the best, uh, would be the best, you know, and you're talking about after the campaign. Haley may be doing well now, but where does she really stand on the issues? Right. When you think of Nikki Haley, what do you think? And I'm talking to, not that she doesn't have stances on the issues, 
But to the average person out there, could they tell you why they would vote for Nikki Haley? Right. Well, she seems to be a moderate and, you know, and she on abortion, she, uh, you know, uh, uh, she may be more moderate. So you're saying it's just abortion. Right. But most people, if you ask them about Nikki Haley, they can't tell you. DeSantis is well known. And has a track record as governor. And, and has and has a track record. Uh, but if I was DeSantis, I would have pulled out already. We talked about this, I think it was late, uh, uh, mid-late November. You know, and and now you're down to the wire. I mean, we're down to the wire on Iowa on Monday, and then a week from Tuesday, New Hampshire, and numbers aren't changing. And, and uh, the, the you know the the bump in the poll for for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. Uh, tell me where that goes beyond New Hampshire. And, and I still believe that DeSantis, overall, for what he has done, is the best Republican that exists right now. Right. If you're looking about the future of the Republican Party. Yes. I think he's the best Republican out there based on what he has done. So I'm not saying it being critical. I'm just saying not your time because of variables that have never existed before in a in a modern presidential election. You're not going to change the situation right now. No. The reality is what it's going to be, you know, by the time the convention rolls around. But he's young enough where... Uh, if he wishes to be president of the United States, he will be president of the United States someday. Yeah. I believe that about him. I, I think so. Yep. It'll be interesting to watch. You know, he's yeah. indicated in recent days, you know, that, that he's, you know, and they all say this. They're in it for the long haul, that kind of thing. Well, did you see, what was it, uh, two days ago hmm. when Christie pulled out? Yeah. That the Hill.com had a story where he was going after that, Sununu, yeah. saying Sununu was a liar. I'm not pulling out. And that was like 1140 in the morning. A few hours later, Next he thing I know, out. he's out. Yeah. So that doesn't mean anything. No, it never means anything. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, expense receipts related to on-duty slash not driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Eight 
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Wow. Mm. Uh, it just keeps happening each and every day. I just love how this is written. In a blow to President Joe Biden's green energy agenda, uh-huh. rental company Hertz is selling off tens of thousands of electric vehicles due to a lack of demand to buy gas-powered cars. Now, I rent vehicles probably 10 times a year. Yeah. You know, whenever I go back to see my dad. So even more than that, probably 13, 14 times a year. And um, all of a sudden, (laughs) I was looking through the options, and there's an electric vehicle. Mm. Like, are they kidding me? Well, here's the problem. If you don't own one at home, curiosity may drive it, you know, for you to go, why don't I try this out? That's very few and far between. EV owners may say, well, when I'm on vacation, I want an EV. So I'm going to look for some place to rent an EV. Again, even that is few and far between. You want to, because people, you're, you got to know what you're doing. Well, and when you're, when I, when you're running a vehicle, when you're traveling, you want use of that vehicle all the time. You're doing stuff. Yeah. You don't want to, where's the next, yeah. Where's the next charging station? Right. I want to. I want to drive around. And then there were some people that actually got. They wanted a gas car, and they got an electric vehicle. Yeah, they were ticked mm. off. The data rates may apply. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just text APPLY NOW to 88909 right now to get started. That's APPLY NOW to 88909. Auto financing the easy way. Text APPLY NOW to 88909. Do you have over $10,000 in credit card debt? The stress from excessive credit card debt can ruin your life. Collection calls, sleepless nights. If you're feeling the financial impact with unprecedented economic challenges, DebtLoo is here for you. DebtLoo uses secret programs that most credit card companies won't tell you about. They'll help you consolidate or settle your debts for a fraction of what you owe. With DebtLoo's success guarantee, you pay nothing unless your debt is reduced or completely resolved. There's no risk. The more you owe, the more DebtLoo can save you. See how easy it is to get started with free information. Let DebtLoo show you how 10 minutes could save you thousands. Call now. 800-200-6895. That's 800-200-6895. I'm just living sky high right now. I'm very thankful for it. And the team at Blue are phenomenal. They're able to work with you. They're great. Call for your free debt resolution information now. 800-200-6895. 800-200-6895. 
The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, get protected today. Call 800-312-9970. Coast One Tax Group, protecting your bank, home, and your sleep since 2008. With hundreds of five-star reviews and an A-plus on the Better Business Bureau. Call Coast One Tax Group, 800-312-9970. Stanley from New York owed $93,000. The IRS placed a levy on his bank account. Coast One released the levy and settled with the IRS for $2,000. Mark in Michigan owed $225,000. After Coast One stepped in, Mark walked away paying less than $1,500. Call Coast One now. A 10-minute call can save you up to 93% on your back taxes. Get your fresh start today. That's 800-312-9970. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages for heavy trucks. Get a quote in as little as five minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. The Bonus Show. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. And looking at inflation, numbers came out yesterday. Consumer prices rose 0.3% in December, higher than expected, pushing the annual rate to 3.4%. Excluding the volatile food and energy prices, the so-called core CPI also rose 0.3% for the month and 3.9% from a year ago compared to the estimate of 3.8%. Much of the increase came due to rising shelter costs. And the reports, uh, except for the month-over-month core CPI, everything was higher than the median forecast. And it's something we've talked about with uh, Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, Uh, All this back and forth. It's interesting. Just a few days ago, there was a story about uh, even though analysts believe he's going to lower rates this year, he's not done raising rates. He might raise rates a couple more times. And then, of course, we get the uh, inflation numbers out. I've never once believed that he was serious about inflation. And. You know, this is an indicator of of the fact that I, I don't expect them to do anything about it. I think they're going to try and lower rates to do something. You know, if they think the uh, uh, the recession is is coming in, they're going to try and prevent a recession. I saw one analyst over the weekend, last weekend, saying, "Well, most of the talk about recession, the R word, has gone away." I thought, "Well, has it?" Because you can only measure a recession in hindsight. And so, you know, when those numbers hit yesterday, some of the media sounded like they were surprised on the inflation numbers. And I thought, all right, you know, we'll see where the economy goes. But one thing remains, I'm not confident in Jerome Powell as Fed chair uh, because I don't think they're serious about inflation. And, you know, I'm being proven right day by day and we'll see where it goes. Um but as we mentioned also, and we've, we've said this repeatedly, this is a compounding effect. That's 3.4% over the inflation 
of the previous year, which is over the inflation of the previous year. When we talk about prices, the increase in prices. The American people are feeling it, and yet the left wants to go, well, why is everybody so upset? Why does the consumer have a problem? Quickly getting to economic growth, uh, Mm -hmm. it was interesting because the World Bank came out yesterday and said the global economy is set for its worst half decade of growth in 30 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The global economy is on course to a record to record its worst half decade growth in 30 years. Global growth is forecast to slow for the third year in a row without a major course correction in the the, the 2020s will go down as the decade of wasted opportunity, mm. said uh, the representative from the World Bank, the chief economist for the uh, the World uh, Bank. The other thing when you talk about inflation, uh, though, is when you look at it again, shelter costs are high. Everybody's affected by shelter costs. Yeah. There isn't a, because that includes rent and buying a home. Right. Yeah. And so shelter costs affect everyone. Nobody gets around shelter costs. You can look at things in inflation and go, yeah, but this came down and that came down. Yeah, but that's an option. I don't need to buy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at other things, food prices increased 0.2% in December, the same as in November. Egg prices went up 8.9% for the month. Mm. I noticed that. I went in and went, eggs are higher. Mm. Uh, but they were still down 23% annually. Understand that eggs just weren't infected by inflation. Eggs were uh, the bird flu last year. Right. Also right. is what really affected that. Mm-hmm. Energy posted a 0.4% gain after sliding 2.3% in November as gasoline rose 0.2%. Now, with what's going on after the uh, United States uh, retaliated against the uh, Houthis in in, um, Yemen, uh, uh, gas prices or oil prices are going up. up, From what I know, they went up yesterday and uh, probably will may continue to go up. Uh, airfares increased 1% for the month in other key price indexes. And this is important because we've talked about, you know, you can look at the general inflation number and you go, yeah, but I don't buy those things. You know, sports tickets up Mm -hmm. 30%. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I don't, you know, most people aren't buying, you know, sports tickets or something. I don't know what else, uh, um, no deodorant you have to buy. (laughs) I'm trying to think of something that it would be. You know, mops, for example, mops went down 30 percent, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in well, most people aren't buying a mop, you know, every week. I just threw that out as a, an example. Uh, motor vehicle insurance, again, something that's a necessity, 1.5 percent higher for the month. Medical care, 0.6 percent. Used vehicle prices, uh, key contributor to the initial inflation surge, increased 0.5 percent after being up 1.6% in November, but you take those two months, and it means they're up 2.1%. That's Mm -hmm. huge Mm -hmm. numbers. Mm -hmm. And people are looking more for used cars. Yeah, sure. So uh, there you go. Fed officials are paying a particular attention to services services prices as uh, evidence for whether inflation is slowing or showing durable signs of getting back to the central bank's 2% target. I thought that wasn't their target anymore. I thought it was 3%. Did, well, somebody said it was going to be 3%, didn't they? Right, yeah. That that no one I think that was an analyst or a couple of analysts saying, "Listen, 3 is the new normal." I don't know, maybe it is. If you can't reach yeah. 2, 
Services, uh, not including energy, increased 0.4% for the month and 5.3% from a uh, year ago. Hmm. So, yeah. Here it is. Despite the higher-than-expected inflation readings, futures uh, traders continue to assign a strong possibility that the Fed would start cutting interest rates in March. There you go. Yep, you just brought that up. Well, that's, you know, that's it. Um, because if, if, and if they get, I said, I think back in early December, because you had a couple of analysts, one analyst said, oh no, it, it'll happen as soon as March and they'll, they'll cut it a number of times, cut rates in a number of times in 24. How aggressive they get, the size of the rate cuts and how soon they start is going to give you an indication of how fearful they are of a recession. Because if we're still right now, you know, not at that target rate, what, do you raise it one last time only to start cutting in March? I mean, you raise it. Because the that, next that's raise the, would be February, right? Huh? Or next raise would be February uh, yeah, or January. I think, I think, so I don't know when the next meeting okay. is. I think it is. I think it would be in February. But the analysts that were saying, you know, earlier this week, well, the Fed could rate, uh, raise rates uh, again before dropping them. Well, if that, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. But if they start dropping rates in March and the size of the rate drop will indicate how worried they are about a recession. And in a political year. That's what you're going to do. You're going to try, you you know, again, trying to walk that fence that the Federal Reserve always tries to do. But it's not a solution. You know, there's not going to be a solution. Um, uh, it's the Wall Street Journal, I think it was last week or week before, they had an interesting article of, about, you know, mortgage rates have actually been coming down a little bit. And, and what's behind mm-hmm. that. But, well, what would be behind that? If people aren't buying homes, you know, when the people quit lining up because rates are higher and inflation is killing them everywhere else and they're not in home buying mode and the market cools, then you try and make it more attractive so you can pull some of those people back in. Well, I, I think, did we talk about it on the air? that I, I think we did, I'm not sure, in the last couple of days. There was a story out there talking about what's the best housing market city in the United States right mm. now. Buffalo. Mm. What are you talking about, Buffalo? I thought they meant the metropolitan area. Yeah, I think we did talk about yeah, that. Okay. And they meant, no, the city of Buffalo, not the suburbs, oh. the city. Mm. And I went, well, that's easy. You know, because they said, and that's a great sign. I go, well, is it? People are moving out of that city. The city has decreased drastically over the last couple of decades, the houses, you're not talking about new housing or relatively right. new housing. Mm. You're talking about houses that are, you know, the vast majority are probably at the minimum 70, 80 years old. Mm. So people are moving out, out of them. There's a big supply. Right. So, yeah, the prices are extremely low. Mm. So, yeah, of course it's going to be, you know, a, a great. So is that a is that an indicator that the economy is rebounding or is that an indicator that people are moving out of the cities and leaving uh, a lot older homes that are a lot more to maintain, a lot more to you know do maintenance on, and there's a huge supply of them available. 
And, and so investors pro- are moving in. And investors are moving in, right? Well, this, yeah. which that's, is what, that's a great point, too. Which, which is what investors do. Look, when, when, a, when a market softens, especially real estate, well, that's when you go in and get your deals if you're an investor. You know, um, when stocks drop, that's when Warren Buffett is buying. You know, those are that's that's the equation. Buy low, sell high, not too hard. Um, what brings back the buying power of the average American family is the expansion of wealth. We talked about this, and it's not going to happen under the Biden administration or any liberal administration. The cost of regulation is killing Americans. Um, the cost of spending, which is the inflation, is killing Americans and 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 greatly has robbed them, I was going to say reduced, but it really has robbed them of the purchasing power. And people have blown through their, any savings they had and maxed out credit cards. And you're not going to change that equation. So what do you do? Well, expanding uh, an expansion of wealth, an expanding economy, is something that lifts everybody and brings back that buying power. It's not going to happen overnight, but that's the only thing that turns this around. And there's not a Democrat that's promoting that at all. Look, they know. We talked about Newsom. No wealth tax in California. We don't want that because they know. But he's not promoting the expansion of wealth. No. Think about those two that coexist in the brain of a liberal Democrat governor of California, a massive economy. If you believe that the wealth tax is bad, then you should be doing everything you can to expand the economy in your state. And they're doing the opposite with the cost of regulation and the cost of state. No, it's a great point. If you're going to, you know, what, where do you get? Where do you get this economic growth if everything that you're – think about it, you know, for, for EVs, for example. Mm-hmm. They can't make a profit on it. No, no. You can't build an economy. You can't sit there and say the economy is doing great because we're selling electric vehicles. Right. It doesn't matter whether you're selling electric vehicles. Are the companies making a profit on them? Right. Well, no, they can't make a profit on them, and they're getting massive subsidies – not just not just at the retail end at the end of it, but in the manufacturing process mm-hmm. across the board. Mm-hmm. They still can't make a profit. You don't build. So you go, look at the electric vehicles. It shows the economy is doing great. No, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. No, you got to make a profit. The companies have to make a legit profit out of it without taxpayer subsidies. They can't even make a profit with taxpayer subsidies. Yeah, that doesn't right. drive an economy. No. And the OEMs have said it. We can't do this. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the top of the hour. Uh-oh. What? 
Uh-oh, the No Labels Party mm-hmm. is thinking about a candidate. We'll have that coming up following the top oh. of the hour. Ah, you know, I know who it is. Chris Christie. <laughs> You're right. It is. I know. But that's not who anybody who's on the left wants running in the No Labels Party. So we'll get to that. But we were talking about inflation here, and I love this one. Yellen dodges on lessons learned from getting inflation wrong. (laughs) Yeah, right. She was was first saying yesterday that people are completely and totally happy with their own personal situation. The only reason that people are negative right now is they believe other people are hurting, but they're all doing great. They're fine, yeah. Uh, that's Janet Yellen, who hangs out with only rich people. Well, uh, and and does mushrooms. Yep, <laughs> she's tripping she's, with rich people. She's doing she's doing the sh- <laughs> tripping right. hard. All right, we want you to give the most positive analysis. Where are the shrooms? Yeah, give me the shrooms exactly. And how many did you give the Fauci? <laughs> <laughs> This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.